Meteorologist Clay Osterley in Omaha, Nebraska is talking about when the leaves are expected to change colors, not only in Nebraska, but across the country. So we're going to go there now. All right, good morning everyone. I'm 6 News First Alert meteorologist Clay Osterley and we're going to do a little talking today uh, about some of the fall foliage coming up. It's my favorite time of the year as far as this stuff goes. Uh, I, I just love the fall foliage, all the colors of the season and uh, watching the trees change colors. Uh, and we're going to uh, be talking to a local expert today, John Fesch, uh, and he's going to be telling us a little bit about uh, just kind of what we're expecting here locally. He's going to tell us a little bit about uh, the science behind everything and uh, kind of what we can expect moving forward. And if you have any questions at all uh, for John about your home gardens as we're moving forward into the fall season or anything like that, uh, just comment it below and I'll be watching the comments here and hopefully uh, we can get your question answered for you here. So uh, just so you know, we will be joining uh, local news live this morning. Uh, so we'll have a national audience for that. Uh, so of course, uh, just be sure that uh, when we're done here, you stick around for more local coverage on a national level from local news live as well. So without further ado, we will bring in John, John Fesh. Fesh. Uh, John, uh, John, good morning. Good to see you, Clay. Thanks for having me on. And um, and John, just tell me, uh, first of all, kind of what we're expecting here as we are heading into uh, the next couple of weeks as far as the foliage goes. I, you know, a lot of people get excited for this time of the year. You know, it is one of those situations where it can be real spotty you know, and the best conditions are brought on by moist soils and sunshine and cooler temperatures. And that's where we're going to see uh, the best fall foliage. And it can be a little deceiving because a lot of the trees that produce the fall foliage, the maples, the oaks, service berry, a number of trees, the buckeyes, trees like that, can spread their roots out pretty far and wide. And so it's not just your yard, it could be the neighbor's yard or the roots that extend into the park that have the biggest influence. Uh, John, obviously right now what we're looking at here is uh, basically we're in the minimal category at the moment for uh, kind of the fall foliage. So um, over the next couple of weeks is when we generally start to see a little bit more color uh, showing up here. And I think the average date for that is uh, late October, around October 25th or so for peak. Is that kind of what you're expecting here this year? Oh, I don't, oh, I don't think I don't you think can hear you me. Um, I, so uh, as we as we move forward here over the next couple of weeks, John, uh, normally I think our average uh, peak uh, foliage time is around October 25th, late October. Is that kind of what we're expecting here this year as well? I don't see any reason why it wouldn't uh, be that way, uh, other than if we have an extended period of dry between now and then. But we've had the types of rainfall periods that would not limit it uh any in any significant way we've had some timely rains maybe not as much as anyone would have liked um and i think the the weather conditions otherwise would expect it to be pretty normal but you know sort of a caveat that i'd always like to mention to the to the viewers is it can be pretty spotty and pretty localized and so if it doesn't happen you know a lot of it does happen to do with you know, cloud patterns that roll through or um, localized dry areas. 
um, and or people who don't uh, don't do any watering uh, in their own particular yard or their own particular area. It can be pretty spotty, but overall, I don't really see anything in this year's weather patterns that would uh, limit it too much. And of course, uh, I you know. I did a couple of years on the East Coast uh, in the Smoky Mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains and stuff like that. So I got to talk a to a couple of uh, experts out there. One of the f cool things that I felt like I found out from talking about uh, fall foliage is it actually does have a lot to do with kind of the spring season, the rainfall in the spring and kind of the summer. Um, and we want some drier weather towards the end of the year, but we just came off of a bone dry September. Or we're coming into October just bone dry. Um, how does that really impact things moving forward? Well, you're exactly right. It, it, it does go all the way back into the spring. Uh, and then as the summer conditions go on, um, which is good because if you had it all around one period of time, I don't think we'd ever have good. <laughs> Just a, um, so that's a good thing in my mind. Um, I, I, what the other issue is, is a lot of people don't know, is it's not like the trees turn that color. They're always that color. It's just that the green material leaves and then the, the pigments that are left behind are what you see. And those are carotenoids and, um, you know, tannins and, and other pigments that you see, anthocyanins that you see behind. So the good news is, unless we have a, a whole year drought and, uh, you know, period or the opposite, uh, you know, Seattle type weather, we're still going to see pretty good conditions. And so um, right now we're also seeing, not only are we seeing kind of the dry end of the summer and heading into the dry part of fall, um, but we've also been dealing with a lot of extraordinarily warm weather um, obviously the trees changing colors has a lot more to do about sunlight than it does about the temperatures but a, a lot of folks will also have their suspicions that that hey you know we do need those cooler maybe even the cooler nights or so um, one of the one of the fun things that I, I also have learned about fall foliage is that we we actually do want some sunny days in the mix as well yeah the sunny days do help a lot and a lot of that has to do with just the spring and summer production of the leaf structure itself. And if we don't have that, then that's going to be limiting. The tree will survive, but it just won't be able to be robust in the fall. So it's a, you know, as trees are breaking out, they have to have a new bud and it has to develop kind of a micro layer of different cell structures, different uh, cell components, different leaf components. And if that doesn't happen, uh, and, and we're going to see a pretty crummy fall uh, foliage. But, uh, you know, the, the leaf has to be created and it has to grow and develop. And all those cell structures from the epidermis to the palisade cells to the parenchyma, um, you know, all those cell uh, pieces, those features um, are going to need to be grow, grown and grown properly and developed normally in order for that to happen. So soil moisture, I always come back to those three things moist soils, sunshine, and cooler temperatures, but with the caveat of it can be pretty spotty. Um, um, obviously, we don't want to see uh, too much cold too fast because that can be an issue as well. Um, I believe our average first frost 
Uh, we're coming up on it here across the, most of the area, the early couple of weeks of October, and then by mid-October, we see our first freeze. I feel like last year, even, we kind of had a cold pop in October that maybe hurt us a little bit, kind of lost some of those leaves. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, why that cold is so severe on the fall foliage. When, when we're, we're, we're not quite seeing the leaves die just yet, they're still rather healthy, um, especially when those colors are really popping. Why does the cold affect it so much? You know, it's sort of a signal. Uh, and there are two things that affect that. Uh, one is the formation of an abscission layer, um, which is the tree's uh, sort of physiological response to the cooler temperatures and the shorter day length in order to form something that's gonna cause the leaf to drop off. Part of that uh, response is also the draining of the photo photosynthetic or the green material, leaving the, the other color behind. So there are two big influencers there. And again, it's complicated. It's not just one thing and thank goodness it's not. Uh, so the cooler temperatures, the shorter day lengths will create both of the responses of the, re the removal of the green and also the forming of a, a little structure which pops the leaf off. And that can be different from time to time too. You know, sometimes the ginkgos, uh, usually you think of that as a tree that's gonna pop off pretty quickly within uh, a week. And then some of the maples in between and then the oaks take quite a while to come off. So, you know, it's, it's multi-feature, multi-component. The biggest thing about it is other than watering your lawn and keeping it moist, there's really not much we can do to control any of this other than just to learn from Mother Nature, which is always fascinating to me. And of course, uh, one of the other adversaries of uh, fall weather is the wind. <laughs> um, and so how do, uh, I, what is that kind of sweet spot here where we don't really want to cross? Is it more of like a 20 mile an hour wind, a 25 mile an hour wind? You know, um, it's almost impossible to get through a day here without seeing some decent wind gusts here across the Midwest. It is, and, and what's gonna happen is as soon as the abscission layer starts, the wind will accelerate or enhance the removal of leaves from the tree. Um, so what, you know, ideally, and again, there's something we can do to control this. Ideally, what you would have would be milder winds kind of in that 10 mile an hour uh, range so they didn't push too much off. Um, it's just one of those, can't do much about it, but it's interesting to know about it kind of phenomenon. Um, um, and lastly, you know, John, just kind of what are you expecting here uh, as we continue to move forward? Um, I know you said we're, we're probably pretty close to seeing peak foliage around the average of October 25th. Um, so I guess it's a two-part question, you know, just what, what do you expect over the next, uh, say, 14 days or so? And then also, um, what trees should people begin to look at uh, for a little bit of color first? And then as we kind of round out towards peak, what, what uh, trees should people really be looking at at that point? Okay, so it will be a gradual process and uh, trees that are a little bit on the stress side will actually show coloration sooner than their their neighbors or cousins of the same species. Um, we'll, we'll see a little bit uh, as we start in some of the Bradford pear, some of the service berry, um, but, and, you know, and buckeye, but some of the others will take a little bit longer to develop. And that's what's so neat is, and there's a lot of variability from year to year. 
Um, you know what I would really encourage people to do is to go to arboretums, botanic gardens, um, places like that where they can see a variety of plants and a variety of colors. Uh, the OPPD Arboretum at 108th and Blondo is a great one. Lauritsen Gardens, uh, kind of in the near the river area, and you can kind of see the river banks. Um, even if you go to Mahoney Park, you're going to see, you know, as you look across the, some of the walking trails, you'll see that the Swanson Science Park uh, near Children's and, and Methodist Hospital. Uh, Metro Community College has a great array of a, a variety of species. Uh, so to go and do some neighborhood walking where you can see a variety of species and not all the same thing is something we routinely suggest so that people can see the varieties and that expression of, of those genetic differences. John, on a national level, um, you know, what are some of the more brilliant trees that people can, uh, you know, maybe do a little traveling across the region or across the country to go see? Well, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing beech, and that's not something we grow here in the, the eastern Nebraska area. Um, you know, in the in the northeast, the the sugar maples are are really, of course, the, the standard. Um, but you know, and then some of the other plants that are really going to give you uh, some strong coloration um, would be um, hop hornbeam and hornbeam, uh, the buckeyes. Uh, there are several different uh, species of buckeyes that are really strong. We don't grow them real well here, but again, as you move east, you're going to see some of that coloration. Um, so it's just really nice to be able to do that. There are some online uh, resources. Uh, you know, you type in and you call like leaf peepers. Michigan has a whole cottage industry around that, as of course does Vermont and New Hampshire. And uh, it is just really fun to. To, if you haven't done that, um, to make that part of your uh, bucket list is to think about mid-October, you know, do a VRBO um, in, in that area, even if you're not able to stay at a localized place, even if you just have to stay at a Hampton Inn and, and drive in, it's still worth your time and trouble to do that. And uh, lastly, John, I do have a couple of questions here uh, that are coming in about uh, the, the home gardens um, as we're kind of moving into the fall season. And, uh, and just, you know, so I guess, well, the, the first question that I have uh, is Terry wants to know, when should we start to prune the fruit trees? Very good question, Terry. Uh, for the most part, we want to do those in March. Uh, doing it now could be trouble. Um, because it will, at the very least, open the tree up to drying out desiccation and some damage from the winter. Um, it could also, if we have a nice surge in the fall and some warmer weather, those trees could start to grow again. And that happens quite often once you do the pruning is they'll shoot out some new growth. And that growth won't be, probably won't be hardy going into the winter and then cause more damage. So generally we prune apples and pears and apricots and, and um, cherries, plums twice a year. We do it in mid-March and then early to mid-June. Um, and do about half the pruning at one time and half the pruning at the other time. So if we're looking at about a third of the tree you're doing some pruning on, take out about a sixth in mid-March and another sixth in mid-June. Um. Um, 
and then some of the other questions that we're getting in is just as far as the home garden goes, uh, you know, we're transitioning out of tomatoes, out of the cucumbers and all of the, the summer things. What can people do uh, if we, and I'm not seeing really an early frost uh, at the moment because it's just been way too warm and I'm not really seeing that over the next week or so, but should we get uh, a frost here pretty soon, maybe some of those plants are still producing. What can people do to try to get those tomatoes to ripen up so they can go ahead and get that last harvest in um, and try to make that transition to maybe into their fall or their cold winter home garden? Right, and so when it comes to making the warm season vegetables like peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers last the longest, um, one of the things that I've seen really the best results with are uh, paper bags. You know, like I used to carry my lunch in to elementary school is a paper bag that allows some breathing um, and it doesn't rot. You don't want to use plastic. Um, you don't want, you know, you can really have problems with that. So it allows a little bit of air movement, but it also traps natural ethylene gas around the fruit itself and helps it ripen up. Sometimes people will put in a, a banana or a pineapple or a piece of a banana or pineapple along with the ripening fruit because they naturally give off a lot of ethylene gas. And this is something that shippers and uh, wholesalers have done for years and years and years is they can really control the natural ripening of different vegetables that they sell especially you know starting in around labor day all the way to thanksgiving and that really makes a difference for them and they can that way produce a and deliver a high quality product when it comes to the cool season things um a, a technique that a good home gardener would want and we still have time enough in the year clay for this is to buy a floating row cover and this will give them eight degrees probably of additional protection even when we start to hover into that 32 degree range and if you know if you have something a little bit lower to the ground um, like carrots and and squash and things like that it can really protect that and you can buy those locally or online and it's just a, a kind of a spun bond polyolefin material kind of like what the football players stand on um, on the sidelines on a natural grass field um, and you can put it up with just simple hoops kind of like croquet hoops and it's not terribly expensive, but it really does give you that additional time. And as you know, probably even better than all of us, you know, a lot of times we'll have a frost and then it gets nice again for a week. We'll have a frost and it gets nice again for a week. And so you can buy yourself at least two weeks uh, of season extension um, with a floating row cover. And then there's a variety of related products. But if you just uh, start searching for that, you'll, you'll get into that whole mix of different fall extension uh, products that really help um, you get additional uh, growing time out of the garden. And I guess since we're uh, just kind of on the subject of some of the fall crops and things like that, obviously uh, we've seen a lot of farmers getting in the fields over the last, say, a week or so. It's been very dry in September, so why not go ahead and start the harvest? Um, have you heard uh, anything from uh, just your contacts and your resources here about the fall uh, harvest with the corn and soybeans and things like that? And then obviously... Um, we're starting to see the pumpkins pop up too. So just kind of making that transition all in all. Uh, how are things uh, sounding over there uh, as far as just the harvest goes? As far as I know, pretty much on track. Um, I'm a horticulturist, so I don't really work with the agronomy end of things. However, I do have a brother-in-law, uh, two brother-in-laws who do that, that are agronomist producers. And uh, yeah, it, it, the, these conditions have been really good for them to start getting into the field a little bit. 
Um, but again, you have to wait for things to dry down in order to be harvesting and, and harvesting correctly. Um, you don't want to have to spend a lot of time and money taking the moisture out of, out of soybeans and corn. You want to let that happen somewhat naturally so that you're able to facilitate that. But again, I, I, I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to row crop agriculture. <clears throat> I, I, uh, I stick to all the uh, turf and tree and vegetable and uh, fruit things. Well, John, we certainly appreciate uh, your input no matter what. Um, so uh, I don't have any other questions for you. Is there anything else that you just wanted to make mention of, maybe something that, that I'm not thinking about or that people at home might not be thinking about uh, just as we kind of, again, make that transition out of the uh, late summer and into the fall? It could be anything from just tidying up the house and the home garden or just whatever you might be looking for. Well, there's a couple things, Clay, that pop into my mind. One is uh, in the lawn area, we've been having a whole big number of this weird insect called fall armyworms it's kind of like once every 20 year kind of thing and they can just they work like armies they just march across the lawn so what i would really encourage people to do is get down on their hands and knees and look if you start seeing a dead area you want to look and then if it's um if it, if you see small little black caterpillars or gray caterpillars give our office a call and we'll tell them exactly what to do but it's to be observant um, if the lawn has been recently overseeded or uh, rectified in some way, they're going to want to lightly fertilize. Oh, in about two weeks, just lightly, uh, not the full rate, maybe a third. So that'd be something else to pertain to. Um, when it comes to outdoor insects, we get a lot of those at this time of year. Millipedes, spiders, um, you know, all kinds of critters that want to enter the home, uh, box elder bugs. Uh, fortunately, we have a, 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 a great uh, colleague of mine. Uh, she does a great work. Uh, Jody Green is an entomologist. And again, we would encourage people to contact our office for some really expert recommendations when it comes to those fall invaders that we wish would not be invading our homes. That is, uh, that's really solid advice there. I tell you, I've actually seen a ton of spiders here uh, myself. Uh, trying to get into the garage here so uh, yeah it might be about time to call my bug guy uh john thank you so much uh for joining us today we really appreciate uh, all your time and uh, all the information that you've given us and yeah hopefully soon here we'll uh, start to see those colors really popping i w hope you have a wonderful day yeah you too clay thanks a bunch all right, guys. Uh, well, that is uh, going to wrap it up for us here on a local level. Make sure to uh, stay tuned for more national news and uh, headlines across the country from Local News Live. All right. Thank you so much to Clay Osterley in Omaha, Nebraska. He was speaking with a tree expert talking about when we can expect the leaves to turn colors, not only in Nebraska, but across the entire country, because those times definitely vary.